0: Welcome to the Delish Guest List Podcast, a deep dive into the lives and work of Hong Kong's crazy food and beverage industry leaders, hosted by the Beat Asia Publication. Today, we sat down with Beckley Franks, an arbiter of Hong Kong's mean bar and restaurant scene. Beckley has co-founded some of Hong Kong's most famed watering holes, including Pontiac Bar, Call Meow, Pontiac Cafe, Artifact and Artifact Bar with wife and fellow bartender Ezra Starr. Earlier in July 2023, at Asia's 50 Best Bar Ceremony, Beckley was crowned bartender's bartender. The venerable All-American Beckley joins the delish guest list to tell her story. What's your connection to Portland? You said you were born in Maui.
1: I was born on Maui. I lived there till I was six, and then I was raised in a small town called Pocatello, Idaho. Wow, population fifty thousand, smack dab in between anybody that even hears this will have any relationship to it, but it's smack dab in between, in between Boise and Salt Lake City, which are like the most Mormon places on the planet. <laughs> um, and Pocatello is no different, except for me. Yeah. Um, I was like the shi- I'm like so blue that I'm like purple, just like shining <laughs> out of the red. Um, I grew up in Idaho. Mm. Um, In a really small town. Uh, And then I spent my formative years in Portland, Oregon. So I was there from uh, 19
0: to 30. So your bartending story in Portland, did it feel natural to enter into that?
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was waiting for me or I was waiting for it, but I honestly feel like it was waiting for me. The way that I started. Yeah, for
0: sure. Great connection instantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What was so fun about it?
1: Well, first of all, I care about it.
0: Mm, Why? Why?
1: so yeah, I've answered this question so many times that I don't know if the way that I answer it is necessarily the complete truth anymore. But I do answer this question a lot, so I commonly say that it's in my DNA, which it is. My parents were part owners of a bar. We had like a, we'll call it a Renaissance store. Mm. We sold insets and water pipes and other things. Um, and we and on the same block in and again this is in Pocatello. Um, we own a bar called the First National, and mm. then this building called the Monarch Hotel above that. And that was, like, where I sort of grew up, which, like, for, had, like, its pros and cons just as far as constructive place for a kid to grow up. But regardless, the culture of the First National and, like, the how I got brought up was everything was just very normal to me. So, like, My association to bartender is not the same association to what people preconceive as a bartender here. Mm. It doesn't mix. Like, I've learned how to adapt my perception. And to me, it's, like, weird because it's labeling. It's a profession. And it has positive connotations and negative connotations. And I think about it when I'm, like, literally shooting at, like, one of the nicest places, nicest members-only places in Hong Kong, you know, and I'm down for it, and I love it. Don't get me wrong, I do. Like, mm. I really, I like, I love that aspect of it as well, and I might think, like, personally I'm geared for some of it. But that that script, I would what I mean, that has exactly nothing to do with why I do what I do.
0: So those eight years in Portland, did they feel like a profession, or were you leaning towards this is a passion that I can it was, live on? Well, both. Okay.
1: Yeah, well, both. So when I say it's part of my DNA, because it really was. So, like, the family... The family that worked at um, Pegasus Books and the First National and Monarch and stuff like that, they would always come over to our house for Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. Now, it's not like what Thanksgiving and Christmas looks like in a very traditional sense. There's nothing about my upbringing that was traditional at all to the point where I became a little bit more conservative because my upbringing was so liberal,
0: Mm.
1: you know, and I think I still like skate in that balance. I can see how people would look at me and perceive me as like this extremist and like really, which I am in a lot of ways, but it's actually interesting that I'm quite conservative, not not like politically, but just in like my thought process and things like that and my traditions and certain things. And I, I don't know if that's just because of who I am. So this kind of goes back to the question. I don't know if it's just because of part of who I am or product of my environment. So bartending is part of my DNA. I say it's because of how I was brought up. But I don't necessarily know that it would change or be different if I was brought up a different way. Mm. Um, I think there's a certain aspect of who I am, and it probably goes back to like a nature nurture thing. But like, it really—I am extremely concerned about taking care of people. Mm. I brought this up to a friend the other day, and I'm not trying to get into like heady like childhood stuff. But I was watching this thing the other day about empaths, and it was this woman speaking about empaths, and she's like, you'll find that empaths are embassed because they come from such uh, trauma. Mm. So when you're in an environment that if all of your feelers are out there, you're feeling out if things are okay. Like, you have to make sure things are okay constantly, right? And if you come from an environment where you don't necessarily have to make sure that you're safe or people are safe and stuff like that the whole time, and I'm not, like, trying to, like, give, like, TMI or anything like Mm -hmm. that, but it was something that was interesting that I learned. But that's how you feel. So, like, you could take two people. One, let's use me, for example, like an ultra empath because I am raw. I can, like, quite literally, for the most part, feel everything. Yep. And that makes me great at my job. And I can tap in, and I'm not afraid to tap into people. And I'm not afraid to care about them. I'm not afraid to nurture them. I'm not afraid to ask questions. And I'm not afraid to hug them and let them cry if they want to and things like that. Because I am that way, again, like I just, I feel like it makes me very, very good at my job. I could probably enter a room and be like, these five people, like, you know, one needs a hug, other's glass is empty, Mm. this one needs a titty tickled, you know, whatever. But I immediately, like, for the most part, can feel um,
0: these things. Interesting. When you left Portland at 30 years old and eight years ago, you came to Hong Kong. Was this yet again another mission that you wanted to spread the Beckley Franks trademarked empathy philosophy?
1: Well, I didn't have a trademark. I sort of have one now. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have it then, mm. um, which is probably part and parcel to the reason
0: why I left. Um, what made you come to Hong Kong?
1: Well, I've, you know, long stories that I try to make shorter, but um, I got recruited into an equity position to open the Pontiac. Um, and a gentleman, Michael Callahan was my gateway drug into that. Um, we met him in 2012, uh, at a cocktail competition. He's a huge part of my life. Yep. Um, and our journey will together grow and he's part of cafe and he's none of like panic would have never happened without him. Um, but it wasn't, I don't know, it's hard to explain, my existence helps, like, the natural branding process. And I've learned that I'm, like, semi-decent. Like, if I've never took a branding class. I'm probably mm. much better at it. Um, but the the Beckley, I don't know, persona or stuff like that, I think, is just the grind. And, like, s- straight up, like, will not stop. And I know that sounds really vague and whimsical, but I'm not doing this Beckley agenda for mm. myself. And I don't do it for myself. And I think that people understand that.
0: You have five names that you've co founded with your partner, Ezra, as well. Does stress motivate you? And does that grind motivate you?
1: Not motivate, no. In fact it's a massive deterrent. I just mm. think that I'm good at it. And Ezra and I like we thrive under stressful situations. I don't I don't find I'm not like bring on the pressure. Mm. Yeah. You know, and it's like But that's something that's just so generic that everybody says, right? They're like, oh, man, you know, like, I thrive under pressure.
0: Mm, mm, I'm a mm. fucking
1: monster truck. And it's like, I am, like, so not a monster truck. So,
0: (laughs) I mean, Pontiac is your first baby out of five in the past eight years. It's a pretty good track record. Mm -hmm. Local and international success. Would you be upset if it was your only baby for these eight years? And, you know, you want to birth new concepts, new restaurants, new bars?
1: I wouldn't be upset if it was my only baby um, if it was my only baby that like, I felt like everyone was taken care of properly, I am not fully in control of the Pontiac, so there's that. Um, I have found in the businesses that I have started that not all of them, um, that the way I would go about doing business in certain ways is different. And I that that is more fulfilling. But if it like let's say if like if it was just like it was I was just the owner and Mm. stuff like that, but then but even if I was just the owner, then the Pontiac would have already grown a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you feel like your work in Hong Kong uh, with restaurants and bars is necessitates a team. Necessitates your partner to be along with it rather than going at it yourself.
1: Well, I think that's a very interesting question, especially for where I'm at right now. Um, I would like to do things on my own that don't aren't included in hospitality. Mm. Or maybe they're hospitality adjacent. Or maybe they stem off the relationships that I've built in hospitality. Like, it's such a—we, it's we, like, label this act of service as hospitality, right? But, I mean, like, it's so multidimensional and sure. so multifaceted, you know what I'm saying? And, like, you can't—like— I suppose you could define what hospitality is, but you can't define what happens inside of it, right? Yep. Um, whereas some other occupations are much more black and white. This is like, you know, nothing close to that. If I were to do something as an individual, like a different form of art or something like that, hmm. then I would focus on doing that as a different internal expression. But for me, in hospitality, it is all about creating community. Um, Creating more space for people, um, and growing teams, and and you know pushing out that extension of love and nurture and kindness and everything that we do in education, um, our vehicle of doing that is hospitality, is sure. service. Um, so I would never choose. Well, I shouldn't say never, but the whole point of that is to do it with people. It is to is to create these these groups, of individuals that um get to learn and be mm-hmm. inspired and learn to cry and you know like every aspect of the emotional process right um gets had when you when you know you work in the profession that we do um and for like better or worse of course obviously but but this that is something that you can't do that independently yep you, that's not an individual world it's the antithesis of being an individual world like I think the only way that you could probably do it as a sole individual is, like, somehow do it in media. Mm. You know, I think that you can maybe be alone. Actually, that's not true. Like, there's a couple people I know that do it kind of alone in the social media world. But that is not hospitality. Bartending is a privilege, not a right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, like, it gets really frustrating when people confuse or misconstrue that. I think it's very cultural as well. That's definitely more of a Western mentality, um, adverse to the glamorized mentality sure. that is maybe more Asian. You know what I'm saying? And it's not to discredit or anything like that. It's just very, very different. And also, like, that's not anybody's fault necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't want your son or daughter to grow up and be working behind a bar, like, mm. that's just not part of your culture. And I think a lot of people don't want that for their kids anyways. But... But it definitely where I come from, there's um, there's something to be admired about it.
0: Going back to the emphasis on sayings, you told me earlier, uh, the catchphrase for the Pontiac is commit to the lit. Mm-hmm. And your emphasis on creating spaces, you know, with Call me Al, with Artifact, with Artifact Bar, with the Pontiac, and now the Ponti Cafe. For a consumer, an eater, a drinker in your spaces, is it one unifying identity and brand that you're, providing to each person or do they each have their own um ambience their own space their own identity within that oh that they, they all
1: do they all do and like it's like having different families mm. right they all know that they're from the same family mm. <laughs> does that make sense um and they all have their different they're all very different the pontiac has been home by jen queen for two years so wow. like she has i don't know what do you call it like <laughs> You have been given this. <laughs> or you know Throned. what I mean? And I still think that some of the team there doesn't really know what went into making that, what that they have space or what they can be who do they want to be in. But that's also like not necessarily always their responsibility.
0: You have Pontiac, which is positioned as an LGBT friendly bar, Colmiar, which is a neighborhood bar and restaurant, Artifact and Artifacts Bar, which you have know, caviar, but also infused with really luxurious offerings when it comes to the drinks that you create. Are these levels to Beckley Frank's identity that you want to provide?
1: No, they're different facets of creativity. Okay. Um, you know, Pontiac was just the one that happened at that time. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm very, very capable of stepping into that. Well, it's very, I would say it's probably like the closest to my persona. I always said, like, if you took Pontiac out of the leather jacket and put it in a blazer, it would be the same. It'd be the exact same thing. You just have better service. Um, you can't change the fact location mm. is what it is. And it's like, it's like the, the walls are falling down. Like somebody with the other day who is a design, this designer who's a, loves Ponty. He's like, you know, your cuts could use a little nip and tuck. And I was <laughs> like, bro, the building will fall down before the Pontiac leaves. Like that's where we're at with it. It's always been that way. In these other projects that have um, that, are, that are different expressions of myself, mm. that are not they're not solely di- different expressions of myself. Call me out. I do say is like it's just like just my vibe, and I say that call me out is sort of like the physical interpretation of that. Um, and my wife and I decided long we will skip the story of how like the befores, mm. but anyways, I was lacking love in my profession so at pontiac Mm. i was always able to transfer enthusiasm and love people and take care of them i opened up a different venue which was a beautiful venue and i love very much but i couldn't take care of people it was a nightclub you know what i'm saying i was missing a piece of what i get in the return Mm. which is no is like that aspect of taking care of people you know because it's a it's an occupation of give 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 if it was only just give 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 and i didn't feel any sense of return on the give then it'd be pointless and i would have shriveled up and died a long time ago yeah but i but i love it's exhausting but i love taking care of people
0: <laughs> and call me all this just that
1: exactly my wife and i came together i was like i am not unhappy in what i'm doing i am unhappy because there's there's a nurturing aspect mm. that I can't do. Mm. It wasn't the it wasn't the venue's fault. It was just that it wasn't it just wasn't call me out. So yeah. call me out is fundamentally built out of nurture and love first. And it interesting. And it you can feel it in the space.
0: Um the, the walls aren't falling down just yet. No. <laughs> but
1: even if they were, that would be fine. Uh the space feels like a levity. Mm. You know, and it's it's physically like the space. The walls are really, the ceiling is really high. It's open space. It's green. Um, we work with people that we care about to design the menu, and we have this ray of sunshine and Chloe that is the general manager. We brought her up from Australia. That's a whole other story about just being intuitive with people, and she's 100. Could there's nobody on the planet that could ever do mm. her job for Call Me Out better than she does? She's built for it. She's made for it. The same way that I, like, I'm sure Chloe has a million other facets to her. No one else could run that venue the way that she runs that venue and takes care of that team and nurtures people the way that I need people to be nurtured. And my wife and I need people to be nurtured. Mm. Um, And yes, we built it out of our mind and our heart and our incomplete visualization. But, like, Chloe would be to call me out as I was to the Pontiac, Mm. if
0: that makes sense. You actualized... Your love for loving. Call me al. Absolutely.
2: Hey listeners, I'm your editor Natsuki Arita, coming in to tell you that we are published by thebeat.asia, the fastest growing regional publication for F and B news, event coverage, nightlife happenings, culture, and more. Find us at thebeat.asia to feel the pulse of Hong Kong and Asia. Now, back to Beckley.
0: Why go fancy-schmancy with Artifact and Artifact Bar?
1: That was a really... Well, first of all, Mm. it's all about just being creative. Mm. Like, we just love being creative. Um, So my business partner um, got asked to pitch for this space in Base Hall 2. Sure. And it just so happened that the space he got asked to pitch for had art, like what is now Artifact Bar. Mm. So, it had the counter and the bar space. Um, so, that bar area was already on his journey. Mm. And then, my it's we're very fortunate that Ezra and I like are sensitive people. So, we can, without even like totally talking to him about what his idea was, we could interpret his journey and put something into it that is applicable and respectful. Um, to what we do. So it's respectful to, like, how we do things, what we think the audience would be, really intrigued by um, the relationships that we've spent our life building with producers and things like that from all around the world and presenting it in a different sort of way that is still the bar. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's a, I call it a subterranean spaceship or, like, Odyssey. (laughs) Or, like, being inside a Moby Dick. Like, it depends on what your mood is. You're like, am I going outer space? Or, like, am I at the bottom of the ocean inside a whale? No, no, no. You know, it's like, it's just, you know, it's got every interpretation from Stanley Kubrick to, like, Mm. James Cameron. It is. And that's why we call it artifact because it's, artifact is evidence of the journey. So these are the stories that we get to tell. Mm. So it's not about being fancy. It's, we get it that the space is wild. Yeah. But that's dope because we're artists, right? You know what I mean? And we care. Mm. Um, Our mediums are multifaceted. And typically the medium that we use the most is the relationship and the connection between people. Um, but this is really beautiful to get to work with somebody and be part of their expression of their art. And then how do these two worlds combine and create a different universe that nobody could preconceive? It's an opportunity, I guess, would be the answer to the question.
0: Tell me about the baptism of your fifth child now with Ponte Cafe reopening. Oh,
1: again, was baptism by fire. <laughs> so, Pawnee Cafe um, is again like sort of an extension of wanting to take care of people. Um, mm. I guess I don't know how to explain it other than like really just wanting to like feed people. Feed people with
0: what? Tell us food. What type of food?
1: Well, comfort food, I suppose. It, it has been very difficult because I really didn't want the Pontiac to be known as an American dive bar, but there's like, after eight years, there's like not much else you can call it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes you just gotta like let it be. It was born, always born that way. It is, so just let it. And you connote it with like everything American, anyway. So why don't you just like s- fucking s- yeah. step off your agenda, basically? <laughs> um, and sort of like so, the Pony Cafe is more of um, a different, a different part of that trip, right? So I explain mm. Pontiac as a hot rod. Um, Pawnee Cafe is more like taking a ride through the desert.
0: Life is a highway.
1: Life is a highway, baby. Yeah. Um, and then the food at Pontiac Cafe is... We're uh, all-day daf- all cafe, bar, and biscuits. So we're... Um, and uh, American Bistro vibes. Um, what is so
0: good about biscuits? Everything. Really? Biscuits with gravy and sausages? Oh, like. my God.
1: So, well, this weekend when you come by... And you have biscuits and gravy, you'll understand. So you're going to get a real good burger, biscuits and gravy. And then, of course, we have beautiful, like, coffee and cocktails. And it's it's simple. It's very casual. It's very simple. And I think that that's one of the things that Hong Kong misses in a way. It's just there's, you know, the full package pa- places. The food is great. The cocktails are great. The coffee is great. And the music's great. You know sure. what I'm saying? And, like, you should be able to go have that. So, like... I don't know how to do this because, like, with I don't want to, like, drop names and, like, glorify my friends and industry. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody knows who I'm, like, aligned with. And, like, I'm like, y'all, see you guys kick butt. Um, see how I didn't swear just now? Uh, I'm doing good.
0: PG-13, huh? Um,
1: Yeah. So uh, what I will, like, so Honky Tonks. Honky Tonks, it's, like, to me, it's, like, take Pontiac out of the equation. It's, like, again, but I'm American, so, like, I love what they do. You get good music. You get good hospitality. Like, you get, you know, you can get rash if you want to, but you don't need to. That's not yeah. like, you know what I mean? But there's not a whole lot of places like that. And there's not many places like that where, that are open during the day. Mm. And we work with Rubik's. So, like, shouts to those homies. Um, But ooh, other places that are, like, everybody goes. One that's around the corner that's super famous. worse hospitality like, period. Mm. Like, I've gone into there's a coffee shop just down the street next to McDonald's that started off with some of the best hospitality. And I know that things change over time. And people, like, when you grow, it's hard to pay attention as much. But, like, I've gone into there multiple times. First of all, I've ordered food multiple times, and they just cancel orders if they don't have the food because they're like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's great. But multiple times and not been talked to and hung out for half an hour and had meetings and then just left. Mm. Um, so, and that will never happen at Pony Cafe.
0: Yeah, good.
1: And like, we just actually just call it Cafe because it's like simple. It's just, it's just groovy. You want to listen to Yacht Rock at like 11 a.m. and have a biscuit? Cool. You want to listen to Caius and like learn the origin of desert rock? Cool. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to have a great cup of joe or like four non alcoholic drinks with your girlfriends while you wait in line for Shari Shari? Like, it's all right there. You know what I'm saying? It's easy. Sorry, sorry. I was just, Oh my gosh, we have, please tell everybody, we have a shaved ice machine at Cafe. Ah shit. I'm telling you, so there's certain things that we <laughs> inherited when we bought the business. One was some photo equipment and one was of like, like the exact so Really? It's a Korean shaved ice machine. My dude. How do you find the ice though? That's the- well, so I made some and I played with it yesterday and it
0: has to be clear ice.
1: We'll just buy it. Okay. That's what we'll do.
0: I made some,
1: and we're going to make – so there's this thing called Negroni Week coming up. And so we're going to make shaved ice Negronis at Cafe. And if you haven't heard of this, there's a super just simple, like, fluffy orange juice cocktail called a Garibaldi, which is just, like, fluffed up orange juice with Mm. Campari in it, and it's, Mm. like, everybody's dream. And so we're going to do shaved ice Garibaldi's. so much just fun
0: you just you just say to the other line you know come over here just
1: oh I'm just gonna like stand outside and be like hello, hello.
0: <laughs> free samples
1: yeah but that's I don't know and it's just fun I think at the end of it and then of course nice. like yeah but it's just funny and I don't know
0: you might get some of those mainland tourists that are going especially to so. just for so
1: hey their money spends the same and it is okay like they can get turned on to good music our delicious coffee we have our own blend you know, like we're 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 tiny, but we're mighty, and we've thought of everything.
0: I can already see the little red book reviews of uh, Ponte Cafe, I, traditional American vibes.
1: I, you know, what, it's really funny. Yeah, yeah, American bistro, which is like, oh, uh, kind of like, uh. like, like in the back of my head, like, oh, uh, but at the same time, we like, why commit why, to the bit? Well, commit to the lit. Commit to the lit. Yeah, why why fight something that's done at, like right there naturally, anyways?
0: Moving on to our rapid-fire question round. Berkeley, you have less than five seconds to come up with a few words to answer each question. I'll do if my best. If you fail, we'll move on to the next one. You, <laughs> you don't fail, though.
1: I don't fail of course.
0: What is a classic cocktail that everyone must try in their life? Daiquiri. Where in the world can I find the most underrated cuisine?
1: Most underrated cuisine? Yes. Oh, well, underrated? Like, bad cuisine?
0: No, good. Underrated. Oh, underrated. People should rate it.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: Oh, five. Nashville. Nice. What was the last time you told a lie, and why did you do it?
1: I don't lie, but I'm, I, I curate the truth sometimes.
0: <laughs> Alternative. Are you addicted to any foods from back home? If so, what are they?
1: Burgers and pizza. Why? Burger more than pizza, because it's just the best. It's the best. But my favorite <laughs> food of all time is crab.
0: Nice. What is one thing that you would like to inform the general public about etiquette when drinking at a bar?
1: In Hong Kong, this is a little bit like, I guess, like after the fact. But in Hong Kong, I would say the average consumer doesn't know that the bar has to pay for their glassware. And so we'll take glassware from one establishment and bring it into the other establishment because there's no open container laws here. And generally, they can't get in trouble for it. Mm. Um. Which is just rude and very expensive.
0: What do you eat for breakfast?
1: I would prefer to eat soup every day for breakfast, like broth soup that my wife makes. Um, usually, I just have coffee, and sometimes I have tomato ricotta toast.
0: How can culinary professionals in the business manage their mental health?
1: Well, first of all, I think you have to want to,
0: mm. you
1: know, and I think that that desire comes in waves. Um, but definitely is. Uh, uh, going back to, like, empaths that make really good bartenders. It's there's, there's definitely, like, a thorough thread of, like, personality and, like... And first of all, like, not everybody has a bad relationship with their health in hospitality. Um, but you have, first, you'd have to decide with want to.
0: What do you want your legacy to be?
1: I don't know, that I need a legacy. I want to be happy with my wife and live a long, healthy life um, uh, and having multi-mediums of my art out there mm. not just hospitality
0: so on the topic of your wife Ezra describe a perfect date night between you two
1: perfect date night is what we're going to do tonight we're going to eat some really delicious food we've had a great day even though we haven't like talked that much we've been together we're quite codependent it, it's true <laughs> I've, uh, and we're going to go see Oppenheimer and we Don't get me wrong. We just love nerdy stuff, man. Fun. We're just nerdy babes. I love nerdy... Well,
0: I'm more of a geek. She's more of a nerd. You have a very distinct sense of style, and obviously identity. Who do you look towards for style and wardrobe inspiration?
1: Rick Owens. Hello. Um, That's that's future Beckley Uh, self-realness. We can't all just be, like, dehydrated all the time wearing, like, 17-inch platform shoes and leather that just falls off of you. Um, not necessarily her style, but her sweater. Hmm. Like I don't mind looking like poo. I think it's rock and roll. My my joke is always like you have to smell good, but you don't always have to look good. But it's rock and roll. You know Fair what enough. I'm saying? So, um, yeah.
0: How bad was your worst ever hangover?
1: On a scale of one to ten, like twenty-five, <laughs> twenty-seven, a hundred.
0: What happened?
1: Uh, I you just go back. You go to sleep. Um, if you want to get over your hangover, you need to drink water and increase your heart rate. That's why I tell people to have sex. If you're hungover, have sex. You'll pass the fuck out, and then you'll wake up feeling usually better.
0: What is the one best thing about opening food and drink venues in Hong Kong?
1: Getting to share stories with people, human connection. The best thing about it is is sharing stories with people. Sure. You have like you have a bottle. Let's say well, you have a bottle of this story, and you learn this story, and you get to tell this story to somebody else, and that's how all of this. All of it works anyways. That's history in a glass or an experience in a glass or experience in a dish. And by proxy of you sharing that story, what happens is human connection and taking care of somebody. Mm. Ideally. It doesn't happen 100% of the time, but that's the best thing about it. Otherwise, do something else. If you don't enjoy this, and that's the thing, like, you know, again, did an interview recently, they were like, what do you say to aspiring bartenders? And I'm like, don't. Uh. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Just don't. Like, how about don't do it? You know, like it's it, the work will break your back. It's very, very hard. And if you don't care about it for the, like every guest, and I, again, this goes back to being like a purist in some ways, but in a pure place, every guest deserves for you to love to them, get to sit at your bar. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm very, very fortunate I've worked tooth and nail, and I still work tooth and nail um, for, for where I'm at and to grow businesses and to grow my career and create more of a, like, brand name or whatever that is. But now I'm, like, evolving into where, like, my voice has more of a, like, sure. a little bit more of, a, like, a weight to it. And so I need to be present and understanding what that weight is and how to best use it. I'm no saint. I'm never going to pretend to be. I'm committed to, like, it means a bunch of different things. But in my perfect version, people would get into bartending, per se, or hospitality uh, because they want to take care of the person sitting mm. at their bar, not because they want to be the person behind it. Of course. Um, but that's different for everybody. My One of my best friends in the U.S. is a literature professor. Professor? our literature professor. She teaches lit, okay? And she... <laughs> Uh, she has Commit to the Lit 101 as one of her classes. Oh, wow. Uh Because the evolution of Commit to the Lit um, was committing to the light inside of you and Mm. committing to who you are um, and being brave. And eventually I'll start talking to Commit to the Lit as light. But that, I mean, it is the light inside of you, but light in general. Since It sounds, I know it sounds really simple and it sounds very like, like Instagram, come into the lit, bro. But it's like, it's just, it's depending on how you look at it, it's like Nike's just do it. And you can think about that metaphorically from so many different perspectives. Yeah. It depends on what lens you put on of how, what it actually means. And I've decided to sort of use that and put on different lens. Like it's my voice, right? And anything can evolve out mm. of a little dive bar.
0: Mm. What city in Asia are you most excited about traveling to next?
1: It's not a city. I want... My wife and I want to go to... Oh, man. Brain. Oh, gosh. Dang it. What's it called? Shungong. I'm going to screw this up. Songong. In? The, the in... Yeah. In... Yeah, in Vietnam.
0: India, oh, in Vietnam. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's in Vietnam. And it's the world's largest cave. And you wow. essentially have to spelunk for two days to get into it. But it has its own... Like, I mean, every, like, all okay, caves so have their own ecosystems and things like that. But, like takes a couple of days to get inside of it, and then it's, like, just this ginormous cave, and you get to camp in the cave. and Jeez. Yeah. I want to do that.
0: No, thank you for me.
1: Huh. You know what was so crazy is, so we were just in New Orleans for Tales of the Cocktail.
0: Yeah. And
1: I was like, there's no way that it's hotter here. Yes, the heat is different. One is drier. One is humid. But New Orleans is pretty humid. And I was like, no, it's definitely hotter here. And then we're like, no, it's just because the buildings are shorter. And I yeah. was like— <laughs> blonde girl realness i was like it is the buildings and i was like in hong kong we're so surrounded by buildings that it's actually not as hot yeah. so you go walking down the street just like and it just just not cute yeah not it's hot it's hotter. so, so you,
0: you want to be inside a very cool cave
1: i want to be inside a cool
0: cave Cool cave. yeah what is one misconception about bartending that many people forget about
1: Misconception about and Um, I don't know if it's a misconception. sir. I'm tapping the table. I don't know. That, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think that they, there, I think that depends on culture, right? Mm. It might be a misconception that everybody's an abuser. Not, not everybody has problems with eating, drinking, yeah. whatever. Uh, it is common, but um, it, but it's not like it's not everybody, and it's certainly like riding this wave of evolving out of it i was talking about like somebody like abusing drugs or alcohol or something like that or food or just anything that is they've d- discerned should be their coping or numbing or whatever simultaneously riding a wave of people being nice to each other in the mm. workplace um yeah like the, the that 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 show the bear like it's definitely i think we've all well my wife and i for sure have worked in environments like that but like a sort of it's sort of glorifying, glorifying a negative sometimes you know what i'm saying i think that that is people are being kind kinder to each other so that's evolving out um if they ever have a misconception that we're uneducated then that would be one whether you're learning on the job or you bring your own set of learnings before you get to the job like mm. you have to know what you're doing it's like it's an intellectual job for sure um, a lot of different levels, and it's a, and it's also a, you would hope, but it's also an extremely emotionally intellectual
0: job. And final one, what are you cooking up in the coming months that you can share with us on the podcast?
1: Oh my goodness, it's it's going to sound boring, but it's like I'm cooking up simmering
0: down.
1: Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, very fortunate that call me out is steady. Um, and now we're getting into places where we can, we've been open eight, eight and a half months, like expanding the scope of focus, um, and, you know, growing those team members. Um, Artifact is going through beautiful transitions. We're working with a new chef. So even inside the things that we have, things are constantly shape-shifting. Um, and so we're able to learn and evolve, um, And Pony Cafe is, like, you know, she's my little – well, our – she's all of our babies. (laughs) Mm. And I think that was one of the things with Hong Kong is, like – or at least it's attached to, like, we'll go back to, like, my name or my brand is, like, a win for me is a win for everyone. And I think that we all kind of know that. So, like, I just got voted bartender's bartender by uh, World's 50, so Asia 50. And that was, like – as much as, like, it should be an individual thing, and this goes back to the hospitality thing is, like – It's not, though. Mm. And if I, while I still choose to be focused on in hospitality, like, it will never be individual. Because I'm not an individual person in this realm. All ships rise with the tide. mm. So that's, it's just like, and all the families feel the same way because we're all connected, right? Um, And my wife and I are like the ones that connect us and then the teams that we work with, you know, and like, you know, people that run Pontiac and so on and so forth. And we're all connected. So it's like. Focusing on that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of like exciting travel things that are coming up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens from that. But I'm like in a space where I'm ready to be inspired.
0: Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Like I, I like and not in a like deprecating way. I'm not like, oh man, I'm just numb out there, like I'm sort of getting depressed about it. But if there is an element of like ready to receive. Hmm.
2: Keep your finger on the pulse and tap follow to keep up with the Beat Asia to hear more colorful chats and rich stories. This episode is hosted by Ruben Verabez and a huge shout out to Beckley Franks for coming on the Delish Guest List to share her story. Our producer for this episode is Marcus Treamer and we are edited by myself, Natsuki Arita. That's all for this episode. See you in the next one.